This morning, we want to look at the subject of Esther. Uh, we want to look at uh, Queen Esther and just want to look at her qualities and who she was and some details about her. So we're going to go over and look at some of the story of, of Esther. If you don't remember, if you don't remember it in detail, uh, very exciting, amazing account here of uh, this woman and her example and then the example of her father who was essentially her cousin who adopted her. Uh, we're going to, to look at that, and I think it's a great blessing. I think about these examples in the Bible, when you look at Esther and Ruth and uh, Mary and others, it's a wonderful thing that we can continue to learn from and gain from the qualities of who they are. Now, I'm not going to be cutting out any kind of exposition this morning. My exposition, we're going to look at the story, and then we're going to draw from those qualities about Esther that we see as a survey of the book of Esther. But before we do that, ask that you pray with me. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we revere you, we love you, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for how much you love us. Father, we thank you for those um, examples around us, the women uh, who have influenced us and have taught us what it means to be faithful to you and to live with, with grace and gentleness uh, and to live by integrity and, and character. Father, we ask that you continue to bless us all to live by faith. Father, we thank you for the examples we have in the Bible. And we ask your blessings upon us as, right now as we study the Bible and we study these scriptures and we think about the qualities and the character of Esther that we'll take these to heart and not let them go and use them. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So look at the qualities of Esther. So, Esther's other name right here is Hadassah. Hadassah lost her parents, and we read in scriptures about her cousin adopting her as his daughter. And we read about this Jewish scribe, very intelligent man named Mordecai, who adopts this uh, young woman. It does appear that Mordecai is married, but he raises her. And I wonder what that would be like, what kind of character that would put within her. What would Esther know? I think Esther would have known the law. She'd know how to read and write. She was more than just the beauty that the Bible describes her as having. She's very intelligent. And I think there is a great appeal there, that she had a great understanding. And it came from God. It was God's wisdom that was given to her from the law. And she sets the example of having faith in God and, and fearfully obeying him throughout these passages. Now, the events of Esther take place in the time of King Ahasuerus who ruled the Persian Empire in about 450 B.C. And the Jews at this point have been taken into captivity under Babylon. The Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire has taken over, and King Ahasuerus is in rule. And that's what we read about there in Esther chapter 1. So the Jews are over there in the foreign land. They're not in their own land. And we can continue reading here. We get a good introduction here in Esther chapter 2, verses 5 through 7. This is what we read. Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjaminite, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. He was bringing up Hadassah, that is, Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. When her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. 
And so you already have a beautiful story right here and an account, an example, just in Mordecai. But God uses this. And I believe that the events that Esther went through were both humbling to her, losing her parents, but also being raised under Mordecai, the things that would have gone there that would have made her who she is. God had a part in all that. We might think, well, that was all tragedy. Yes, it was, but God uses those things in our life, those hard things that we go through to make us who we are, to make us better people. Now, King Ahasuerus had banned his wife, Queen Vashti. And if you remember this, he was having a feast, and he and some of the other leaders had been drinking, and he wanted Vashti to come and present herself because he had shown them all the beauty of the kingdom, and now he wanted to show them his wife and how beautiful she was. So he called in Queen Vashti, and she dishonored him, it says. It says she, she disrespected him by refusing to appear there before him. Well, in the process of this, it doesn't really tell us what happened to Vashti. She was probably put to the harem. You know, Persian king had many wives and had concubines, probably had her put in the harem and didn't even want to look at her anymore, it says. He, she, he was put out of her, out of his presence. And so the king now orders, as was advised to him, to have young women from all over the empire to come to become his wife and become the queen. And it's kind of interesting we start reading the story because all the young women are, carried, are brought into one harem, into one group, and they're protected by guards who are eunuchs that we read about. And they, you, you see that emphasized throughout the text. So you get a little bit about what the culture is. But after they go in and they meet with King Ahasuerus, they go to the concubine's harem. So you can imagine, you can connect the dots there about what happens in coming into the presence of the king. By the king's order, again, these young women are appearing to see who will be the next queen. And so as we're thinking about this, why is it that we read, as we continue to read on, we see that Esther, Hadassah, has great influence. Everybody she comes in contact with recognizes her beauty. They also recognize the quality and the character of her, who she is. She has an influence upon everybody, even upon those, those guards that are around her, and they're there to support her and to help her. The book of Esther teaches us the qualities of faithful and courageous women, the women that we see in our life who live by faith, um, Christian women who continue to influence us. And it's because of these examples in the Bible that we continue to be reinforced within us that um, you know, it's not just a, men, a man's faith. It's, it's not just a man's the idea of, oh, the Bible's just a man's book. And it's not. It's one that affects us all. We continue to read. If you go a little bit further into Esther, we see her winning favor of the eyes before everybody. And so Esther chapter 2, we read this, verses 15 through 17. When the turn came for Esther, the, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his own daughter to go into the king, she asked for nothing except what Haggai, the king's eunuch, who had charge of the women, advised. So you see that there. You see the connection with those guards. And then we continue to read here. It says, Now Esther was winning favor in the eyes of all who saw her. And when Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the women. And she won grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. 
And so she comes in and she becomes queen. You know, and I, as I read through this, I think about these, you know, the stories you hear today, the things that we might read about in fairy tale books or see in a Disney movie. It's not, not quite like that, is it? There's a, a different reality and a different culture to this. And then you see Esther being put in a place and being put there in a place by God's providence for a certain time as this, as Mordecai is going to say to her le- later. So we start thinking about that. Why is it that Esther was pleasing? Weren't the other young women just as beautiful or even comparable to her? It seems that it's more to it than that, doesn't it? That it's her character and who she is. And it has to be about her background and her humility. So King Ahasuerus, he promoted a man. We get this conflict that's also going on in the book of Esther. And the man's name is Haman. And Haman is a very prideful man. He becomes the head official, the chancellor. And Mordecai refuses to worship him. Now, Mordecai was never honored, but he had done a great thing. And all because he's not bowing down to honor Haman, he had honored the king. It says in Esther chapter 2 that he found out that two of the king's guards were planning to attack the king. And so he reported it. Esther did on in the name of Mordecai. Mordecai wasn't recognized for that for a while. But in this, Mordecai is still loyal. He's still committed to doing what is right. And in doing this, at the same time, he's not going to bow to Haman. And so we read about this in Esther chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. When Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down or pay homage to him, Haman was filled with fury and his disdain to lay hands on Mordecai alone. So as they had made known to him the people of Mordecai, Haman sought to destroy all the Jews, the people of Mordecai, throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus. And so Haman comes up to this plan and he has the seal of the king and he seals it and he says in the 12th month, there's going to come a day and he's going to give order throughout all the 127 provinces of Persia to kill all the Jews, to slaughter them all. And so news about this spreads. And of course, it's very troubling to the Jews. And Mordecai has to inform Esther of some of the details about this. He says, I've heard the report. This is the order. This is Haman's order to kill all the Jews. And he commanded Esther. He says, Esther, you have to go to the king. And Esther says, I just can't approach him. I can't go unless I'm invited or I'll be killed. Is she going to follow the same path as Vashti? Is she going to die in the same way? And I love the words of Mordecai right here as he's encouraging her. He says this in chapter 4, 13 through 14. Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. But who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. For such a time as this. And God puts us in certain places and certain times in our life to act. He puts us in specific roles in our life. You know, Mother's Day, we think about mothers having that role. God has put you there for a reason. And in every part of our life, we're put in those opportunities. And so here, Esther has to make a choice. And so for Esther to have joy, she, she needs something. And she wants to have uh, not just joy, but boldness and courage to be able to approach the king. And so this is what we read here in chapter 4, 15 to 17. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa, 
Hold a fast on my behalf. Fast. Why would you fast? What's fasting going to do? Not eating for three days. What is that going to do? Well, there's more implied to that, isn't there? They're humbling themselves before God and they're praying to God to be with Esther, to protect her. She says, hold a fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. You ever done that before? I've never gone without drinking. I don't think even a day. But to think about a fast like that. So they humble themselves before God. And then she says, I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So you see that courage. If I die, I die. She'll die with her people, essentially. But she has the boldness. She says, I'm going to approach. I'm going to come before the king. And she's being obedient, obedient to God, being loyal to her people, obedient to Mordecai. And Mordecai then went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So they pray, they fast. Esther goes before the king, and the king accepts her, brings her in. And all Esther asks of the king is that she wants to have a feast, and she wants the king, and she wants Haman to be there. That's what she appeals to. She wants to have that, that gathering. Now, in the process of this, Haman is still plotting. He can't stand Mordecai, so he has gallows that are 75 feet high that are made to hang Mordecai on them. And his plan is to go in the next day and to go to King Ahasuerus and say, there's a man that dishonors me, I want to hang him on these gallows. And before he could do any of that, the king turns around and says, how can I honor a man? So that night, King Ahasuerus, and as the text tells us in detail, was awake. And he was reading the records and remembered Mordecai and how Mordecai had saved his life. And King Ahasuerus wants Haman to honor Mordecai. Haman doesn't know that yet. And he asks Haman, he's like, how, how can he be honored? We'll put him on a, the king's horse and put royal robes on him, put a crown on him and present him throughout the, the city square and say, this is one of whom the king delights and this is how he's going to be treated. And so Haman thinks this is going to come to him and that he's going to be treated in this way. And instead, now he has to be the one guiding that horse with Mordecai on top of it. Haman's going to go home after that. He is kind of depressed, and his family and his friends, his wife, tell him, well, this is the end of you. And at that time, a report comes that he has to go to Esther's feast. So he goes to the feast. He comes to the second day of the feast, and, and she is asked by the king what she needs to do, what, what, what she wanted from the king. And the king said, I'll give you up to half the kingdom, whatever you want. And she said, I just want my life. You know, if we were being taken into slavery, it'd be no big deal, but I want my life and the life of my people, the lives of my people. And then the king Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, who is he and where is he who has dared to do this? You already see the king is angry about this, that she's pleading for the life of herself, his favorite, his queen, his wife. And Esther says, a foe and an enemy, this wicked Haman. And then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. We see here Esther with the courage to say and to do what she needs to do, to speak up and to confront this man who had intended to do evil. And we see the providence of God to work things out. Now the passages right after that in Esther chapter 7 are very striking. In fact, they're very, at least for me, they, they paint a picture in your mind of what it would have been like. The king walks away for a moment and we begin to read this here in chapter 
7, verses 7 and 8. The king arose in his wrath, so he's very angry, from the wine drinking, and went into the palace garden. So evidently, the king likes to drink wine. We see that throughout. But Haman stayed, and he begged for, the lot, for his life from Queen Esther. Now, if it was a fairy tale story or a Disney movie, Queen Esther would show some mercy here and put him into prison or make him a, a servant or something like that. But that's not what happens, is it? He begs from Queen Esther before he saw that the harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. And as Haman was falling on the couch where Esther was, the king said, Will he even assault the queen in my presence, in my house? And, the, and as the word left his mouth, the mouth of the king, that covered Haman's face. You get a picture of that there. And there again we see one of those guards, one of the eunuchs. He speaks up here and it says then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in attendance of the king said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him on that. And so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. And the wrath of the king was abated. We continue to read on the story here. We see that Mordecai then becomes the second in command. And he sends out a command that if anybody who attacks the Jews, that they can attack them back. And any enemies the Jews can put down. And so the Jewish people are able to rejoice. And a holiday called the Feast of Purim is begun here, beginning in the book of Esther. And because of the stories, because of their deliverance here, and the things that they had just endured as a threat and relying upon God. Here's our exposition this morning. As we think about the story of Esther, we notice the qualities of her. We see the qualities in a faithful woman. That she was loyal. She was loyal to her husband. When others plotted to kill, kill, to kill him, and she could have let him die and then found, up a, found a way, I guess, to try to take the throne for herself. She was loyal to her people, risking her own life. She was courageous, going before the king, again, risking herself. She was humble. She respected her husband. She respected Ahasuerus' authority. She didn't act like Queen Vesti. Vesti. We also see that Esther was wise. She had the instructions that, that came from Mordecai. She would have known how to read and write. She would have been intelligent and trained in the law. She would have had the wisdom of how to act. And she does that. Everything she does, she does it in a way that only wisdom from God would have given her. She knew how to reveal to the king that Haman had planned to destroy her people. We read these stories in the Bible, and what do we do with them? What do we think about them? I like what I read about in 1 Peter chapter 3, and it tells wives to be an example and to be humble and respectful to their husbands. And that if they don't obey God's word, that you can win them over by your character. Maybe. But that would be the greatest hope that a woman in that situation could have. But I think about that, and it's true. Women have a great influence upon the men around them, whether they realize it or recognize it or not. But this we see with Esther, a devoted faith, it, devo it produces these qualities in all who trust in God. And so when we look at these qualities, this is not just about Esther, it's not just about faithful women, 
This is about what we want to see in men as well. We want them to be faithful and loyal and courageous and humble and wise. We want to be influenced by those examples of godly women around us. It's a great thing. It's a blessing to have those examples that we're continually looking at so we can follow the pattern in their way of life. I ask you as we think about Esther this morning, has God placed you in life for such a time as this? It would be a sad thing if we just take those opportunities that God gives us, the people that we know, the people that we can influence, the things that we can say, and we let them pass us by and we don't use our opportunities. Whereas Esther teaches us to do it If we put all these qualities together, we're going to make every effort the next time that we have to evangelize, the next time we have to help a neighbor, next time we have an an opportunity to give to those who are in need, we're going to take the time to do that. We have the example of those around us. We're not going to pass this up for such a time as this. The book of Esther notes the work of God. We see In the book, as you go through it, you see Mordecai exhorting Esther to fear God. We see Mordecai instructing her to call upon God, to pray to him for the people. God caused King Ahasuerus to stay awake, the text says, to remember Mordecai's good deed. And Haman's friend observed that the living God was with Mordecai. You see God's work, his providential work throughout. And if we trust in God, And that's the thing, the Bible often calls God's providential work, calls it grace. If we would trust in God, and there's sometimes when somebody might be threatening us or insulting us, and instead of just trying to defend ourselves, we present God and we stand by Him and we do what is right, God is with us. If we fearfully respect Him, we call upon Him, we're awake when He wants us to be awake, and we recognize our God is with us. With this, we give the invitation this morning. Are you among the faithful whom Christ saves? The Bible says whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Those are the words of Christ in Mark 16, 16. Encourage this morning to be faithful, to put on these characteristics, to be like Esther and like others in the scriptures who, who lead by their example. If you believe and you confess your faith and you repent of your sins, you can be baptized into Christ and start a new life. You need prayers and encouragement. We encourage you to seek out one of our elders or deacons or someone around you. We'd be happy to encourage you and to pray with you. Whatever your needs are, we encourage you to come right now. Let's sing together.